Welcome to the 7220 Sports Kickoff Show with Cody Tucker. Welcome to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Located at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie and in the Frontier Mall on Del Range in Cheyenne. The 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored by Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. Jared Newland joining me here uh, right down the road. In a couple hours here, it's officially college football season. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> the Wyoming Cowboys and the Fighting Illini kicking off at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. That game will be on the Big Ten Network. I It feels really good to say that. And you can listen to it right here on this radio station as well. Just stay tuned. <laughs> Just stay tuned. It is crazy. It's already here. Uh the excitement hasn't really been over the top on social media and talking to friends and stuff like that because I think there's just so many question marks around in this team. But now today that we're this close to kick time, you can start to really feel it. Definitely. And I think some of that is people were overly excited last year because the yeah. folks were picked to do so well and then they kind of stubbed their toe. So it, people are just kind of entering the season a little bit, expectations down a little bit more and – you know what, let's just see what happens on the football field today and uh, and hopefully they can uh, perform well. And if and even if they don't come out with a victory today and perform just perform well, well and yeah. show the fans and show college football what this team's all about. No doubt. Um, and then hopefully, you know, improve for week two and go on from there. Yeah, you know, I just wrote about this, Jared, that that's a big reason why I think people are down on this team because they, you know, you said stub their toe which is a really nice way of saying it because you lose at home to New Mexico and you're shut out at home against Fresno State and you get blasted at home by Hawaii. And we see the offense, the passing offense more specifically, still be what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I can see where people are coming from. That is frustrating, very frustrating. But on the flip side, doesn't it feel good to, to know a team finishes 7-6 and six and wins their bowl game and nobody's happy about it? <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, the old saying is good enough is good enough type of a deal and that and I guess that would be a six and six season like <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah. uh, but you know bowl games are important just because it's that one added game more practices, practices yeah. and the exposure that you get most likely on ESPN maybe another network but most likely that that network um, it just helps out everything it helps recruiting out um, you know, so-called hang another banner you know that's yeah. the deal you yeah. know it, and but if you're not in a bowl game that means you're really bad anymore doesn't it because there's so many bowl games so if you're not in a bowl game i mean that's gonna hurt that's a great point that's a great point and the team they are facing today inside memorial stadium finished five and seven last year did not make a bowl game um they were not one of the better teams we will get more into illinois but i mean we're not thrilled with going to bowl games especially in boise idaho let's be real um but it is a bowl game. It is those extra practices, like you mentioned. I think the other thing that has really worn on people we kind of touched on is Craig Bowl, in his stubborn wisdom, is still going to run the ball no matter what. And I think fans are just – it's so beautiful when it works, but when it doesn't, it's one of the most frustrating things on planet Earth. And I think the fans just know after nine years, <laughs> eight years, this is year nine for Craig Bowl that – it ain't going to change. The old dog didn't learn new tricks. You're going to see Titus Swin over and over and over again today in Champaign and for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, if there was an over-under, maybe there is out there. I haven't <laughs> looked, but on how many carries Titus is going to get today, it's got to be 25-plus, I would think, especially with the Plus. injury to McNeely. Um, you know, so I would, yeah. 
This could be a quick game today. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> this is going to be an Air Force-esque type game. Yeah. Um, don't don't step away from your broadcast, <laughs> you know, your radio dial or your TV very long because this this game's going to be quick. It's going to be under three hours. I agree. I totally agree. And and the other big thing I think that has tempered some expectations and maybe some excitement levels. This is the youngest team the Cowboys have fielded in a very long time. They're the third most inexperienced team in the country. Only Nevada and Hawaii are younger, and we know what happened to them in the offseason. I mean, Todd Graham's own son left the Hawaii program before <laughs> Todd Graham did. So, I mean, it really says a lot. But on the flip side, and this is a whole other rabbit trail, doesn't it just make you pull your hair out thinking about how bad Wyoming played against that Hawaii team with all the turmoil that we now know they were going through at that time? Yeah, and – Maybe flip the script because Wyoming is one of the most experienced teams last year, and it didn't get them anywhere. That's right. Other than Boise, Idaho. So let's hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be the other way around this year. You know, there's there's three seniors listed on this roster, Jared, which is it's crazy. Eric Aboje is a true senior. He is a starter. Miles Williams is one of those safeties that's an and or with Wyatt Eckler. They're going to share time in the in, in the secondary today. And then you got Deron Harrell, the Wisconsin transfer at cornerback who is a senior but technically still has a medical red shirt as well, so he technically has another year after this one, which he told me yesterday he fully plans on using. Three seniors. That's that's wild. A lot of youth. I've never heard of under 10 probably before. Yeah. And here we were worried after COVID that they'd be log-jammed with seniors yep. for God knows how long, and it it changed in a hurry. Yep, transfer portal and people just you know giving up football just because they've been playing too long or retiring from injuries, the sport because yeah. of injuries, so... Well, uh, what a perfect segue to what a uh, crazy last couple of weeks it has been in Laramie on the injury front. Uh, you know, it all started with Buck Coors playing nickel. Jay Savell, Wyoming's defensive coordinator, told me that he was playing lights out, playing really good ball. He was actually in the running not only at nickel but at one of those safety spots as one of those and-or kind of guys. And he's a young kid out of Colorado who they're really excited about. Craig Bull just stepped to the podium the day before that injury and said how great Buck Coors has been playing. And then he goes out in the spring game, makes a play, breaks his leg. Like, first play of the spring game, breaks his leg. Or the spring game, I'm sorry, fall camp, yeah, fall uh, the camp. scrimmage. Yep. And uh, so he's out. Then Gunner Gentry, just a gut-wrenching uh, injury for Gunner, who's, you know, he's been through it all the last couple of years. He, he tore his patellar tendon twice in his knee. Now he's feared that it's the other knee that the patellar tendon's gone in. They don't know that for sure yet, to our knowledge. But non-contact injury, one of those horrible ones you hate to see. He's one of the emotional leaders of that, not only the wide receiver group, but of this team, and and he'll miss his second consecutive year with that. You mentioned DeWine McNeely already, backup running back. We don't know the severity of his injury. Tim Polisek, the offensive coordinator, told me they hope to have him back next week against Tulsa. So you think that maybe he's, you know, okay and it's not a crazy injury. Sebastian Harsh, on the other hand, defensive end, who if they were handing out MVP awards this offseason, Sebastian Harsh would be hoisting that over his head. The Scouts Bluff native has played lights out, and he has been on the tip of Craig Bull's tongue all offseason. And the Cowboys are so incredibly thin at the defensive end spot. Alabama transfer Keelan Cox also fractured his hip in practice. That's an eight-week ordeal. Cowboys are so thin and so young at that spot that it's a scary proposition heading into a, a game against a Big Ten team with, you know, if Illinois has any strengths, it's on that side of the ball, and it's at that spot. Yeah, the offensive line across the board in the Big Ten is going to be big. Yeah. They're going to be physical. So the key is going to be trying to get around those you know, end oh. rushers and 
Wyoming's down two guys right now. And getting a heavy dose of Chase Brown, you'd imagine, out of the Illini backfield, who's a thousand yard back from last year, who averaged more than five yards per carry. You'd imagine they're going to be hitting the edges a little bit against Olawasia Motosho, a guy you probably have never heard of. <laughs> Braden Siders, another guy you've probably never heard of. And then Devon Harris. That's all they're going with right now is a three man rotation at both defensive end spots. And I'm sure Illinois knows. They've read what's going on, and they know that running up the middle is not probably going to happen against yep. Wyoming with the Bertinoli and Goodbow in yep. the middle, so, and plus middle linebacker Easton Gibbs. Yeah. So the edges are going to be their their key. Yeah, they absolutely are. Um, my colleague uh, Ryan Thorburn had a great idea uh, after the after Tuesday after the press conference. He mentioned, "Why not throw Nick Talich out there?" jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. He plays everything. He can't wait to get on the field. He does whatever you ask of him. We saw him make a couple plays from the nose guard spot during the spring game. Well, and you you go back a few years, Seth Adin yeah, played undersized at some spots when the Cowboys really needed some defensive linemen, and he <laughs> made some plays because he was so much faster yeah. than what an offensive lineman would expect out of a, an undersized D lineman. Yeah. And, you know, Carl Granderson just a few years back when he was still only weighing about 220 playing that rush ed mm-hmm. guy so yeah maybe maybe they will f- stick him in there and maybe it's out of necessity of depth but maybe it's jay savell's gonna say you know what let's, let's throw a little wrinkle why not and you know they're being a little secretive over in laramie um really bold strategy by craig bull and company to go with quarterback tba against illinois today we do not know who that guy is I think we know who that guy is, but we are not going to know that Andrew Peasley is the starting quarterback until the Cowboys offense trots on the field today. Yeah, and I'm guessing that uh, Reese and Kevin, they'll know before they do their starting lineups up there, you know, in the box today as well. But and but anybody in the stands is going to see who's taking the majority of the snaps during warm-ups, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I, I personally think it's the worst-kept secret in Wyoming, um, but... Who knows? I mean, I guess play devil's advocate here. Who knows? He didn't talk a lot about the quarterbacks this year except for to say they've all been good. And I know uh, Jaden Clemens, for one, is a guy who just got put on scholarship recently. Hank Gibbs is on scholarship. Evan Spoboda is on scholarship, and so is Caden Becker. So uh, they they obviously believe in these guys. And if it is either any of the other guys besides Peasley, Illinois has zero film on any of them. Exactly. Who knows? Peasley, if he gets the start, this is only start number three. He played in 19, he appeared in 19 games at Utah State, but this is just start number three. And, of course, on Tuesday we have to put in who we want to interview before we get to Laramie and, of course, want to talk to Andrew Peasley. I mean, he's Craig's going to step behind the podium and name him the starter. Oh, no, definitely not. So then I interview Peasley, and we really don't have a whole lot to talk about because he's playing coy, too, and he said, if I start, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very lucky and very excited and ready to go and blah, 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 and... And I said, you know. I mean, you know. And he goes, well, we all know who the starter is. You're just not going to know. So they're trying. And I even tried with Polisek. He said, that guy, when that guy's doing this and that guy's doing that. And I said, who's that guy? And he almost slipped. Almost. Well, I did hear an interview with um, Aboje on a competitor's radio station <laughs> yeah. earlier in the week. And he, they cut out some stuff, but um, they flat out said that he, he dropped the name several times. And yeah. they had to cut it out just to be... Well, that was nice of him. Yeah, they didn't have to, but they did. <laughs> that was very nice of him. I don't know if I would have done that. In fact, I know I wouldn't have done that. But <laughs> What? Yeah, but Andrew Peasley, 
we assume the Utah State transfer will be under center today against the Fighting Illini. He has to be. It's Big Ten country. He's the only guy on this roster who's ever taken a snap at this level. With any sort of experience. Any. He has to be the guy. There's there's no no yep. one else. Uh, you know, going down this depth chart, uh, surprise-wise, you know, not a ton. Uh, Shea Suinoa is the uh, weak side linebacker who figures to get a lot of work in with these young defensive ends, I would imagine, today. Uh, he is the uh, 6'3", 232-pound sophomore out of Houston, Texas. He's been in the mix for the last three years, and, and it's good to see he's finally going to get in that starter's role and, and see what he can do. I know Cole DeMarzo, the Michigan State transfer, was nipping at his heels all throughout camp. Asked Craig Bull on Tuesday, did they really separate themselves Mm, didn't you know separates maybe a strong word but Shea had the better camp it it sounds like and uh you know Cole DeMarzo you know he didn't accidentally play at Michigan State he's got the speed and all that so I think he'll be a great addition for the special teams unit not to mention a good guy to come in and spell Suinoa uh when need be so when you look at all the defensive guys on the two deep I'm gonna say all all 22 are gonna play at some point I agree I agree maybe Rook Brown the redshirt freshman nickel um, out of Salado, Texas. Not 100% on him because he was kind of forced into things with the injury to uh, to Bakur. So not 100% on him. I know they're really high on Keontae Glinton. Uh, there's a story on 7220 Sports about just how important that nickel position is in Jay Savell's defense and just how important a good year from Keontae Glinton is going to be. He was sick last year. He suffered some injuries last year. But before that CSU game, they said, hey, big number 85, the future Mackey Award winner, at tight end, um, you got him, yep. and you're going to shadow him all day long. Glinton held him to 90 yards, which doesn't sound like a great day, but it is a great day against Trey McBride. And he stepped underneath him and picked off a pass with CSU driving. Kept him out of the end zone, too. He sure did. Huge, huge game for him in that one. Has to be a huge uh, confidence boost for him. And I uh, guess looking back to uh, Reed's son may not see the field at middle linebacker, the backup to Easton Gibbs, but I just, you know, out of Alaska – this reminds me of another great linebacker out of Alaska, <laughs> Mr. Ward Dobbs. Dobbs. So. I tell you what, if you line these these Wyoming Cowboys up in, with their shirts off, Reed's son is one of the most impressive human beings you've ever seen. Looks like you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm almost. <laughs> I, I look way better than him, but he is absolutely yoked. He almost looks like a professional I'm wrestler. I'm guessing you're a little heavier than Reed, though. <laughs> well, let's see here. I am looking at it. <laughs> 227 pounds, yeah, about 10th grade is when I weighed 227 pounds. So I got you, Reed. Now, a tough kid out of Alaska. I know uh, Aaron Bowles really excited about him, too. Talked a lot about him. Physical specimen, for sure. Uh, good to see at corner. Uh, Cam Stone, uh, sophomore out of Angleton, Texas. I know uh, the coaches were high on him. Benny Boyd told me early in camp that, make no mistake, uh, Cam Stone is a leader in the room, and he is a guy that we are really excited about. Five foot ten, one eighty eight. You saw what he did last year against Utah State, taking a ninety nine yard kick return against the Aggies. So he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism. They see they've they've said his maturity in every other way has really started to take has really started to come along, and and he's really you know he outlasted Jacory Hawkins, who's an Ole Miss guy. I mean, you know, you got speed to go to Ole Miss, and in fact, Jacory Hawkins was timed as one of the fastest players at Ole Miss during his time there. Mm-hmm. But it shows right there that it's not all about how fast you are. Yeah. 
But I think at the other cornerback spot, you know, Harrell and Hawkins, they're both going to get probably equal playing time, and and maybe one of them is going to spell Cam at times. Yeah, and here we were, you know, really worried about what this cornerback room was going to look like, right? I mean, Zizi Hearn and C.J. Colden played a lot of football in Laramie, and they were pretty darn solid. Mm -hmm. So you lose those guys, and then a really underrated loss is Keon Blankenbaker at the nickel spot because they really asked these nickels to do a lot. They're basically another corner on the field. But you're a very undersized guy, like like Glinton taking on Trey McBride. That's that's an unbelievable mismatch when you look at it on tape. And uh, Glinton just held his own, and, and he's also really good in the run game, and you have to be at that spot. So, um, like you mentioned earlier, the interior guys are solid. Cole Goodbow, um, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see him as a first-team All-Mountain West guy at the end of the year. Uh, Jordan Bertinale, what a story he is out of Casper, Wyoming, a walk-on. I remember his first action was against Nevada in Reno during COVID, and I scrambled for my my roster. Who in the heck is this Who in the world? 96, Jordan Bertagnole. (laughs) Who in the world is that? And the 6'4", 283-pound sophomore just has played lights out since he got his opportunity. And when you look at that, Jared, it's kind of how many other guys and how many other spots can we see that happen in this year? That's what brings me excitement about this team most. And I think even more so, hate looking ahead to 2023, but you almost have to with it's such a young team like this with only three seniors. Yeah. no, You know, and I was going to say that earlier. I think we're all tired of going to the Potato Bowl. I mean, we're done with it. We're tired of it. But I think if this team can reach the Potato Bowl this year, you got to look at that as a pretty darn good season. And then next year, barring any crazy transfer portal stuff and things like that, I mean, you got this whole roster potentially returning next year. Yep. They could be really good, really special next year. But once again, I don't think anybody, I think I can speak for everybody, they don't want to be picked first. They don't want to be picked second. They don't want to receive first place votes. You want to fly under the radar. And Coach Bull has talked about that. That in two, We've talked about it before. In 2016, he showed up to media days with some guy named Josh Allen and another guy named Andrew Winger, and the Cowboys weren't picked to do anything. You know, a few months later, they're hosting the Mountain West Championship game, and those guys are in the NFL. Yep. So, who knows? That's that's the excitement here. And talking to Tim Polisek yesterday, you know, even he's excited about seeing these guys become household names. None of them are right now. I mean, none of them. Cole Goodbow, maybe. I mean, half people can't even pronounce his last name. Yeah, and I'm, Easton Gibbs. I, I'm glad you're pronouncing some of these other names on here. That's <laughs> well, you know what position I'm actually really excited to watch and see their growth and I really believe that these guys can be pretty darn good and that's the wide receiver group it's not find Isaiah Nair and chuck it up anymore and that worked a lot and it was pretty to watch a lot of times but this year it's going to be by committee we're going to see those Jalen Sargent types that were supposed to play possibly last year we're going to see what he can do uh you know Wyatt Whelan has four catches to his name but those catches were on third downs. They were all important catches. Very big catches. And you get that elephant off your, the monkey off your back and get that first catch. And he really started to roll. All those catches happened in November. And they all happened when Aiden Eberhardt went down with an injury. So he stepped in and he, he made an impact. And you're, you look at these guys and from, obviously can't go to practice and watch, but these are anything completed to a wide receiver or tight end is going to be an extension of the run game most likely you're probably not going to see very many passes over 20 25 yards like you did last year with Nayor. yeah but that just sucks the defense up and then one of these guys could get open behind them and and that guy should be joshua cobbs he's the guy who i think everybody kind of expects to step in and try and attempt to fill those shoes left by isaiah um 
you hate to put that much pressure on a kid, but he's a sophomore. He's a COVID sophomore, so he's been here for a few years. He's been in the system. Last year, he really benefited from Nayer taking the top off the defense, and we saw what he did against Utah State. He just needs to be more consistent. And to me, Jared, this is a gigantic, I can't even stress it enough, gigantic year for Alex Brown. He's 6'4", 199 out of Spring, Texas, in the greater Houston area. The guy looks more impressive than Isaiah Nair did in street clothes. He's been injured, though, and he's dealt with nagging stuff. He had a shoulder in high school that finally he had to get fixed. He's had legs. I mean, last year he got tackled out of bounds against New Mexico and hits the equipment box with his hip and gets mm-hmm. hurt. Uh, hurt his knee. He just he has not had the luck so far, but, man, he looks the part. It's a huge year for him. It's a huge opportunity. you got a 6'4 guy out there, and, and Joshua Cobbs is 6'4 as well. Put it up. Yep. Go make a play. Somebody please make a play. And – most of the time, you're they these players are going to be going up against DBs that are five ten, maybe six feet tall. So they definitely going to have the advantage on the height and and their arm length as well. And I think something we don't think about a lot. It's got to be helpful, right, to be going against your Corey Hawkins in practice, a guy who covered Alabama receivers and Auburn receivers and Georgia receivers. I mean, that's got to help. And then Darren Harrell, who played a lot of Big Ten football at Wisconsin, uh, he's six two. That's really got to help. They're both and physical. Cam Stone. And Camstone. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But these guys are big and physical. And I think a lot of times that gets lost, how important scout team is and how important practice is. And in talking to Erica Boje, for instance, who's making the move from left guard to left tackle, you know, I said, is the hype around Sebastian Harsh really that impressive? And he said, absolutely. And it's helped my transition to being a tackle so incredibly much. Same with Olawasi Motosho. I mean, he's got long arms and he runs a sub 4 five forty at defensive end. So Eric said that he comes at him with every move under the sun, looks like the karate kid, (laughs) and he's got to get his hands out and get prepared for this dude. So that really is that old cliche of iron sharpens iron. And I know these guys are young, but if you think about it, everybody was battling for a spot this year. So they have been in constant battles. And when I look at this depth chart, Jared, one of the first things that pops up to me is two letters, and that's or. And there is a lot of ors on here. Miles Williams or Wyatt Eckler at strong safety. Braden Siders or Oluwasi Amodisho at defensive end. Uh, on the offensive side, Zach Watts or Jack Walsh at left tack- at left guard. I mean, it, same with the running back situation with DeWine McNeely down. Joey Brash, the redshirt freshman out of Columbus, Nebraska. He had a great spring game, showed a real burst in that one. It's him or DQ James. That's how good these battles have been. I don't look at these ors as a bad thing at all. Yeah, and especially week one. I mean, you're still trying to figure out a lot of things, and you probably won't even know till probably the Air Force game. That's the fourth game of the season. Yeah. On more of these battles and positions are really going to be settled in by then. Yep. Well, like Craig Bull always likes to say, halfway through the first quarter, he thinks he knows what his football team looks like. And he really talked about that after the Northern Illinois game when Josh Allen brought him back and they won it in three overtimes. But think about Montana State last year. It really kind of showed what we were going to see for the majority of the year, and that was a meddling offense that just wasn't getting it done through the air once again. The Cowboys also featuring a youth movement on that offensive front. Starting five last year, Logan Harris, Alonzo Kreider, those guys are no more. Eric Aboje, by far the leader of that group, that very young group that also consists of Jack Walsh and Zach Watts, who will share time at the left guard spot. 
Nafoa Tulafono is getting the start at center for King and Kreider, the former uh, freshman All-American at Wyoming. Emmanuel Pregnon, very impressive 6'6", 312 redshirt freshman out of Denver, Colorado. And then the Laramie guy on the other side, Mr. Frank Crum. All 6'7", 315 pounds of him. My head doesn't even go up to his neck. He's an impressive specimen. On the other side of the commercial break, we will dive into Wyoming's zero-week opponent, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Kickoff is scheduled for 2 p.m. Mountain Time inside Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Once again, special thanks to our sponsors, Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Make sure to visit their two locations in Southeast Wyoming, one at the Frontier Mall in Cheyenne and the other at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie. We also want to thank Wyo Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Stop in or order online at dickies.com for your tailgating food today. You can also visit their locations live. One in Laramie, 2410 Grand Avenue, and the other inside the Frontier Mall on Del Range in Cheyenne. Let's, and the one in Laramie does serve beer. They do. That's a good point there. Have an ice cold beer before home games. And you're right across the road. Yeah. Maybe even could get away with parking there. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> uh, let's get them in trouble. Let's get some people towed. Uh, let's dive into the Cowboys' opponent today, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Was there a more head-scratching team on planet Earth than Brett Bilma's Fighting Illini in year one of his tenure in Champaign? Yeah, I think I mentioned that it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type of a season. And maybe that's, <laughs> to say the, maybe that's the personality of their coach. Who knows? But... <laughs> You know, surprising win over Nebraska because Nebraska did actually have some high expectations in 2021. Uh, they, I love seeing those crash and burn, by the way. It's true. Good job, <laughs> Illinois. But they did win that game. Then they lose to UTSA, who ended up being a really good football team last year. Very physical, very fast football team. Illinois actually just went ahead and stole their offensive coordinator, too. That's their uh, first-year <laughs> offensive, <laughs> offensive coordinator there, Barry Looney, who also coached with Bilma at Arkansas. Uh, so that was the first of four straight losses. They lost to Virginia. Maryland, Purdue, um, and then they beat Charlotte at home. Then they go, then they host Wisconsin, get shut out. I mean, blasted at home against Bielema's former team. And then they go on the road to a top 10 ranked Penn State win, come home and lose to a hapless Rutgers team, <laughs> go back on the road and beat another ranked opponent in Minnesota, and then they lose to Iowa and then they blow out a really hapless Northwestern team at the end of the year, end of the season five and seven. But on the flip side, though, if you look at that in another light, they almost beat Purdue. They they hung with Iowa. There was some, you know, they should have beat Rutgers, should have beat Maryland. I mean, this could have been a an eight win team, a nine win team. I mean, few things go their way. But on the flip side, they go into Happy Valley and go into nine overtimes, an NCAA record nine overtimes, and knock off the Nittany Lions. How crazy is that? And their their defense must have been really good last year. Much better. The most points they gave up in in a game was thirty three to a, to a ranked Iowa team. And we all know Iowa doesn't throw a lot of points up on the no, board. no. But on the flip side, how bad was their offense? Seven of their twelve games, they didn't score more than what twenty one points, I believe. And they averaged twenty point two for the year. I mean, the offense was just 
really bad. They had four different quarterbacks under center last year. They rely so heavily on Chase Brown, who's a really good running back, really solid guy, who definitely has Craig Bowles antennas up. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of like Wyoming. If you can shut that down, good luck with the quarterback beating you, which, by the way, yesterday, Illinois finally, Brett Bielma didn't didn't uh, show his hand Monday during his weekly press conference. He also, like Craig Bowles, didn't announce the starting quarterback that all changed on Illinois' social media account on thir- or a Thursday afternoon, I believe. Tommy DeVito, the Syracuse transfer, will get the start for the Fighting Illini, which, you know, honestly, Jared, it should add a little bit of stability to their to their pass game, which, you know, I know Wyoming fans are hoping that Andrew Peasley does the same for them. He didn't win a lot of games at Syracuse, but he certainly threw up a lot of yards. Yeah, I, I think 4,000. Over 4,000 yards, so I believe he's 20 talented. Touchdowns. Yeah. Um, he just didn't lead them to a lot of victories. Yeah. I mean, you know, Syracuse isn't what it once was, but you don't go there on accident either. So, um, yeah, just a really weird year for them. Um, yeah, they failed to crack the 21-point mark in seven of their 12 games. That's just not getting it done, even in the Big Ten where defense and running is so important. Uh, you got to score more than that. And, and I did misspeak. They they did give up a few more points in the non-conference season. I was just looking at the conference schedule. Uh Virginia threw up 42 on them, and UTSA did score 37. But then in the beginning part, and the for most of the Big Ten season, they played really good defense. I mean, these are Big Ten scores, right? I mean, they lose to Maryland 20-17. to 17. They lose to Purdue 13-9. to 9. What a pillow fight that had to be. My Must have God. been a 10 a.m. mountain time game. Brutal. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> missed that one. Yeah, and then they beat Penn State. Even though these teams go into nine overtimes, it's 20-18, to 18, Illini. Uh, I was telling Tim Polisek, who obviously before he came to Wyoming prior to last year was the offensive line coach at Iowa for four years. And I said, I got to be honest with you, coach. Um, You know, what was that, whatever year that was, 2018 or 2017, when the Cowboys opened in Iowa City? I was covering Michigan State at the time, drove down to Iowa City for the game. You know, any chance you get when you're in that neck of the woods to see Josh Allen play and to see the Cowboys play when I lived in the Midwest. Drove down there, saw him play Iowa, and then three weeks later covered Iowa at Michigan State for one of those 13-9 to nail biters. And I said, that was way too much Iowa. Way too much Iowa for one year. So I have no idea how you did it for four. With no sunshine on the field. <laughs> Just gray skies. Gray. 24-7. So he got a kick out of that because uh, he said, you know, it's not the prettiest thing to watch, but it sure is effective. And it is. He's got a point. Until you play Ohio State, until you play Michigan, until you play Penn State, occasionally I will pop up and whip one of those teams and figure it out. But consistently beating those teams on the other side of the division or the other side of the conference, it just doesn't happen with regularity if you can't throw the football. And it's still winning nine, sometime ten, maybe yeah. in 11, maybe 11 games in the Big Ten. But then they show up as the sacrificial lamb to the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis and just get absolutely Pumped. worked. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, it. I think a lot of people compare Wyoming to Iowa in a lot of ways. And something I talked to Wyoming's new offensive line coach, Joe Tripati, about, who happened to play his college ball at, at Northwestern and was an offensive line coach at Northern Illinois for many years. I asked him, what what kind of reputation is Wyoming getting as far as offensive line and running the football? And he said, it's definitely a national reputation. This is kind of turning into a destination as far as group of five teams go. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I mean, to a degree, but, you know, like Craig Bull always says, he's not going to turn into Mike Leach, but you're not asking Andrew Peasley to be Mike Leach. You're asking him to complete 70% of his balls. And can you imagine if he completes 70 of 23 throws? Cowboys are probably in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, de- most definitely. And like I said, that's probably going to be the extension of the run game a lot of times. And as long as they're uh, moving the chains down the field, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, and last year, like we kind of talked about, Illinois could have flipped this thing rather easily. Uh, you know, this squad lost four of its seven games by 10 points or less. One victory away from bowl eligibility. Brett Bilma didn't walk into an exactly uh, awesome situation left by Lovey Smith, who who is a great coach and did what he could with that program. I mean, let's face it, Illinois is not the marquee Big Ten program that Craig Bull stood behind the podium and touted this week. Uh, but they are a Big Ten football team nonetheless. I think the best thing that Lovey Smith did in Champaign was grow out that beard. It was sweet. That was it? outstanding. The big, long, white <laughs> Santa Claus-type beard. It was good. It was good. Yeah, so uh, who you, who do you need to be looking for on the uh, the offense for the Illini? Uh, it all starts with Chase Brown, a uh, really good running back, 105 or 1,005, excuse me, rushing yards and five touchdowns last year. His backup, Josh McCray, 549 yards and two touchdowns. Isaiah Williams is a guy Jay Softville is a little concerned about, and that is their speedy slot receiver. Uh, Keontae Glinton's going to have his hands full with this guy all day long, and that's Isaiah Williams. He had 525 receiving yards and four touchdowns last year. Casey Washington, more of the outside threat, 294 yards. The Cowboys also have their eye on a guy named Luke Ford, who's about 6'6", 260 at the tight end spot. Uh, Illinois definitely doesn't have a problem growing these tight ends, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, you're going to be talking some Polish names here when you're playing in the Midwest, and uh, their right tackle, Alex Pajewski, I'm sure I screwed that right up, and I shouldn't because he has 52 career starts, which is the most active in the FBS. So him and Alex Filstrom, the center, uh, those are the – that's the beef coming back for the Fighting Illini. They have seven returners on the offensive side of the ball, just six on defense. Tim Polisek really talked up Tyreek Barnes, the linebacker. Uh, he's the middle linebacker for Illinois. 80 tackles, two sacks, an interception, and two forced fumbles last year. Sidney Brown, another guy, strong safety, uh, 69 tackles, a sack, two forced fumbles. Uh, Jartavius Martin, he is a nickel for them, 54 tackles, interception, and a forced fumble. And then the beef up front, Keith Randolph is 300 pounds at the defensive end spot, 42 tackles, four sacks, interception, and a forced fumble. And then Zerhan Newton, another defensive end on the other side, 50 tackles, three and a half sacks. They have six guys returning on that defense. That played really well last year under first-year guy Ryan Walters. And here's an interesting tidbit. The defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, was the defensive coordinator for one Missouri in 2019. And I'm sure he's still pulling his hair out for what the Cowboys did to the Tigers that night inside War Memorial Stadium, <laughs> running for 297 yards and about an average of 7.1 yards per carry. And we all know that football coaches do their homework, so I'm sure that Paul Sachs – He's looking at some of that game film, seeing what he can do against a similar type, most likely called defense. Yeah. And um, and then on the flip side of it, I'm sure <laughs> the defense coordinator for Illinois is looking at the possibility of them running a few of those, well, especially on the quarterback sneak type stuff and you know the yeah. bootlegs and things like that. Yeah, and I don't think these guys, obviously Tommy DeVito is the guy under center the Illinois announced this week, but they're not fleet of foot. Uh, the, but that doesn't mean they can't roll around the pocket and get open and create some space. But the Cowboys aren't going to have to worry about them taking off, most likely. But when you have a guy like Chase Brown in the backfield, you know, because honestly, Tim Polisek has mentioned it numerous times this offseason. He doesn't want Andrew Peasley to be that guy either. He wants him to make his reads, go through his progressions. 
And it was interesting. I When I'm doing interviews, I try and ask defensive guys about offensive guys that they face in practice. And something Isaac White, the Cowboys starting safety, said to me is, it's different this year because Andrew actually stands in the pocket and makes his reads and we have to, we're watching his eyes. So we actually now are working harder to find out where he's going with the football, which tells me that didn't happen a lot last year with Levi Williams and Sean Chambers, which I don't think we're exactly shocked because their completion percentage was around the 50% mark. Well, and let's just hope that he has time to be in the pocket instead of being flushed out, too. Well, and that's the thing. This Cowboys offensive line, uh, you might not know half of their names, but uh, the one thing I keep hearing about them is they're not going to get out physical. And I keep going back to that Missouri game, and not just because Ryan Walters is their defensive coordinator. I keep thinking to myself, we didn't know anything about the Cowboys offensive line that day in Laramie against Missouri either. Not to mention there was some running back in the backfield named Xavion Valaday who we didn't have a clue about. We knew that he ran for 150 yards against New Mexico in a meaningless finale the year before. But Nico Evans and uh, about four other backs went out the door that offseason. So Valaday's the only one back. And a, a no-name offensive line, and you're thinking, oh my God, SEC defense. I think the Tigers had two all-conference guys on their line, and the Cowboys manhandled them. That was probably the most physical I've seen a Wyoming offensive line in recent memory. No doubt. And and what I keep hearing out of camp is this: these guys maybe aren't as technically sound, which you don't expect young guys to be uh, right off the bat necessarily, but they are physical, and that can make up for a lot of ills and a lot of wrongs. And and we keep hearing that 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 these guys you just you don't know till you see them taking live bullets, but. They are physical, and, and even talking to defensive linemen, they said, these guys are no joke, man. They'll, they'll throw you around. They'll put you on your wallet. So, And, and like I said earlier, uh, Frank Crum is a gigantic human being, and, and he's just grown leaps and bounds since he came. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When they first got signed Frank Crum, and I love Frank Crum, he's a great dude, I thought, is this kind of a charity situation? I know that sounds harsh, but I kind of thought his grandpa played here, his dad played here. Yeah, he's a big dude, but he played at Laramie High School, and you know, I think he was recruited by Utah State and CSU because they saw what a big human being he was, and maybe we can eventually turn him into something. Uh, the Cowboys have turned him into something, all right. He is a he is the guy at right tackle, and he has been for three years now. So he's a really he's really done wonders out there. And Eric Aboje, I love the move to left tackle. He's got really long arms, and he said that part of his adjustment is. He's not a guard anymore where you're in a phone booth where you just pull your hands up and you all of a sudden you got your hands on some shoulder pads. Now you kind of got to wait for the dude and you got to see what moves he's going to make. But Eric's got a gigantic wingspan. Yeah, and we mentioned this last week on the Roaring Peter podcast that this offensive line has the ability to be really good and, like you said, really physical, but they cannot get called for the stupid after-the-whistle penalties because yeah. that cost the Cowboys a lot of key first downs last year. In, in situations that could have been game-changing. Yeah. Uh, you know, where somebody made a stupid mistake after a game, maybe shoved a guy, hit a guy in a helmet, whatever it may be, then there's a 15-yard hanky, takes away a first yard or first down, you're backed up 15 yards, and now you're out of field goal range. Yeah, and I, immediately my mind goes to that Boise State game last year where there were so many pre-snap penalties, just absolute drive killers because the Cowboys were in that game. Tim Polisek brought it up this offseason. They had eight pre-snap penalties that killed him in that game. And I know this wasn't on the offensive line, but, I mean, who can forget Azizi Hearn jumping offside on a field goal attempt? There's no reason for that. Unbelievable. The chances of blocking one of those is so minimal as it is. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Boise State's in the end zone two plays later because yep. that's what Boise State does. And, and, and Tim Polisek mentioned numerous times this week 
He said, you're going to get sick of hearing it, but it is imperative whether we're playing a Big Ten team or the Little Sisters of the Poor, you cannot make stupid mistakes and beat yourself. You just can't do it. So we are expecting to see a heavy dose today, I assume. You are, Jared, as well as I am, uh, Titus Wynn. We're going to see a lot of that. Illinois' defense, uh, really good, riding high after last year. I think they like their chances against Titus, and they're going to be another team, just like every team on the Cowboys' schedule this year, that's going to say, hey, whoever you are under center, you got to beat us. Yeah, and if, like we mentioned earlier, if Titus can get to 25 carries, we hope that he gets to that 100-yard mark, and that just furthers the chances for the Cowboys to pull off an upset today. But... Um, he's going to have to break one here and there. Mm-hmm. He just can't do it at four yards a clip. Yeah, He's going to have to break one or, or, or two big ones. And maybe a DQ uh, gets a carry or a sweep or just a screen pass something. And they're like, holy cow, where'd this speed come from? You know, <laughs> exactly. type of deal. And he, he surprises somebody. And the uh, special teams game. Yeah. Could play a big factor today. Well, and uh, that was the Illini's only um, first team all Big Ten guy last year was their place kicker, so there was they're uh, they're bringing out a new guy. And as you know, especially in the Big Ten, when you're playing all these close games, you need to have that guy. You need to have that guy on your roster. So Illinois has a huge question mark at special teams right now, but I think Illinois is much improved. Brett Bilm was a good coach; he really did it at Wisconsin. I don't know if his style necessarily fits in the SEC. It didn't fit at Arkansas, but. You got to be realistic too. It's Arkansas, and and you're playing LSU, and you're playing Alabama, and you're playing all those big teams on that side of the the division and on the, that side of the conference. Arkansas is going to pop. They're going to be one of those teams that's going to pop up here and there and surprise, like with Darren McFadden. They're going to pop up and they're going to be pretty good, and you know maybe they're going to make an SEC title game, but you, that's not going to be a yearly thing in a place like Arkansas. Yeah, that's tough in Fayetteville, and if they can get it going, what a great fan base. Yeah. No doubt. That's yes. Pig suey. <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I think Illinois is going to be much improved. But, you know, am I going to be stunned today if Wyoming walks out of this stadium with a victory? Mm, I don't S- think stun's the right word. Yeah, it's surprised. Yeah, maybe a little surprised just because they're so young. Yeah, and, and Vegas has it set at 11 for a reason. And yeah. um, some of that's being on the road and being the third youngest team in college football. And probably the ton of injuries that the Cowboys have sustained of late. Yep, but you bring back, or you go back to that 2016 season, like you said, there was a bunch of unknowns that year, and Wyoming goes and plays in the Mountain West Championship game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. Um, I personally picked Illinois to pull this one off. I think I said something like 27-21. You know, I don't know if the Cowboys have enough, but like I said, I would not be shocked whatsoever if they pull this game off. And uh, what a launching pad this would be. And it's funny because next week at uh, 1.30, you said, yeah, 1.30, the Cowboys will take on Tulsa for the home opener in Laramie. Um, That's not going to be easy. Oh, no, definitely not. And obviously we'll get into the Golden Hurricane next week, but I think about them because in 2019, the momentum the Cowboys built from beating Missouri and beating them the way they did and getting off the mat after they were down 14 to nothing looked like it was going to be a blowout. And the Cowboys scored, what, 27 unanswered or something. I mean, it was just an unbelievable turnaround, unbelievable atmosphere. But then they go to Tulsa, what, three weeks later or two weeks later, and they lose an absolute body bag game to the Golden Hurricane in front of 20 people inside Skelly Stadium. <laughs> you can't lose that momentum. If you beat Illinois today, you've got to you've got to carry on. Well, and going back to Vegas, they've set the uh, over-under on team wins. Illinois is set at four and a half. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking, if, if they want to get to the five win total, I mean, this is a must win for them because they have a hell of a tough schedule coming up. We, as we all know with, uh, you know, the, the Big Ten schedule. And Wyoming set it only five wins. So when you start looking at the schedule for Wyoming, this, this is not a must win, but it's, it's an important launching board launch board for him. Absolutely. I'm looking at the Illini schedule right now. They get into Big Ten play next Friday, in fact, at Indiana. Then Virginia comes to uh, Champaign, which Virginia thumped. I actually rewatched that game two nights ago on TV. They absolutely embarrassed Illinois. It was it was hideous from start to finish, and Virginia ain't that good. So uh, Chattanooga, you would think, would be a win in Champaign, but then you go to Camp Randall to take on the Badgers, at home for Iowa, at home for you, what you would imagine is a pissed-off Minnesota team after what happened last year uh, at Nebraska, speaking of pissed-off teams. Then they get Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Michigan, at Northwestern. So they avoid Ohio State, but and they avoid Penn State, but they got a house of pain coming their way. So four and a half, I'd like to think, I'd like to think even though Illinois could win four and a half and still be improved on their five and seven record last year. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to up pull a couple upsets like like they did last year but just don't lose those those games that they shouldn't lose yeah which happens to everyone though for the most part (laughs) i'm looking at games they shouldn't lose and i guess some would say wyoming um absolutely uh chattanooga indiana maybe northwestern at indiana and this team's obviously comfortable playing on the road (laughs) they played a hell of a lot better on the road last year won some big games last year that's for (laughs) sure All right, Jared, we have about three and a half minutes left in this episode of the 7220 Sports Kickoff Show. There's 11 games this weekend on the college football slate. Hallelujah. And some of them are already going on, but uh, Austin Pease at Western Kentucky. Nebraska's playing Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. Go Wildcats. (laughs) Uh, Idaho State at UNLV, speaking of the Mountain West. UConn at Utah State. We have uh, Duquesne at Florida State. Charlotte is at Florida Atlantic. Florida A&M at North Carolina. North Texas at UTEP. That's a good one. I'm actually yeah, excited th- for that. Yeah, th- that should be a good game tonight. Uh, Nevada is on the road in Las Cruces, taking on the Aggies of New Mexico State. And then the nightcap, the last chance saloon for you betters out there, as they call it, Vanderbilt at Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, looking at these numbers, Northwestern is a 13.5-point dog against the Huskers. UConn, a 27.5-point dog against Utah State. Of course, the defending Mountain West champions. Here's a question for you. Are they pounding the Huskies so bad that Levi Williams finds a way in this game? Well, isn't he third on the depth chart? He is, but... I would say there's probably some packages for him to, to, to run the ball. Uh, just to get his feet wet and just in that uniform and stuff like that. But who knows? Coaches are weird characters. They are. And he I, may just hold the clipboard the entire time. And I was going to mention, I could see a Tim Tebow-like package for Mr. Levi Williams because he's talented. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the other Mountain West lines, Nevada is a 9.5-point favorite down in Las Cruces and the mighty Commodores of Vanderbilt, 7.5-point favorite at the very young Hawaii, now led by Timmy Chang. So, um, <laughs> Cowboys, unfortunately, have to make that trip. Question for you. Do the Pokes st- keep it within 11 today? Because that's the line. And the over-under is 43.5. I don't think they touch. I, I don't think 43.5, even though I picked my pick yeah. was technically. I don't 
you know what? Yeah, they're going to get to 43 and a half, and I don't think the Cowboys lose by more than 10. Don't ever go to the bank with any There's of that your stuff. in-game parlay, folks. <laughs> Do not ever go. Don't trust me with anything. I just think the Cowboys are going to play better than we think, and I think they're going to give a – I think it's going to be, a, like you said, a launching pad. Whether they win or lose, you got to play well. That's, that's the important part today. Uh, thanks for sticking around. By the way, uh, this has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie and Cheyenne. This show is also sponsored by Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, and Warren's Repair and Towing. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next, right here on KOWB. Hey, Wyoming, the Wyoming Lottery wants you to know there's another reason to cheer on our pokes. If the Cowboys win, you win too. That's right. If the pokes win, then Cowboy Draw tickets are buy one, get one free this Sunday from 11 to 2 p.m. Let's go, Wyo. 